Hi, and welcome to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm Angie Cabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, whole person leadership facilitator, and your host. The Human Side of Business podcast is fueled by the genuine curiosity to understand how personal characteristics and skills can be leveraged to drive individual and team performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately organizational success within business. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, expanding our learning edges, and exploring the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of organizations. I'm so glad you're here. Hi there, this is Ange McCabe, CEO and co-founder of Intuity Performance, where our business is the success of your business. I'm a performance coach, HR professional, facilitator, and your co-host, along with Scott Rust of the Elevate Business Podcast. The Elevate Business Podcast is a journey of discovery fueled by curiosity to genuinely understand what makes people tick when it comes to their professional path, choices made, and the personal characteristics that drive performance, tangible outcomes, and ultimately success. The Elevate Business Podcast is here to promote the enormous contribution of small and medium-sized businesses around the world by exploring the actions that make a workplace successful, the trends in corporate culture towards growing the emotional intelligence of an organization, and how we build whole person leaders from the ground up. Each podcast is devoted to sharing knowledge, growing our learning edges, and honoring our passions with a special guest who has elevated their businesses, overcome obstacles, and inspires others to do the same. So glad you're here. Hi, and a warm welcome to the Elevate Business Podcast. Both myself, Ange McCabe, and Scott Russ are your hosts. We have the pleasure of introducing you to Jeff LaFrenz, co-founder and president of VizWorks. Jeff LaFrenz is a serial entrepreneur with over 30 years experience in technology commercialization. He is a multidisciplinary, multi-industry professional with extensive management, marketing, and technical expertise. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you so much, Ange and Scott. Pleasure to talk with you today. Likewise. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your company, and your journey. Uh, so myself, I'm originally an engineer, uh, trained at the University of Calgary in bachelor's and master's in electrical and computer engineering, uh, back at the dawn of computers, it seems. Uh, but I've been working in this industry for a number of decades now, really tying to uh, take advanced technology and enable people to to do things with data that they classically have had challenges doing uh, and the company that i currently run and found or co-founded uh, is, a, is a great example of that we were spun out of the university of calgary from a research group that was really around this whole idea of advanced digital technologies and how we can enable better human decision making through the use of those technologies and our company is exactly focused on the commercialization of that kind of concept uh, so our focus is enabling and engaging with clients who have business problems that are not being solved by anything that's currently available off the shelf. Uh, and so we work with them to fully understand that business problem and then look at and apply the most appropriate advanced technologies to address and solve their problems so that they can make better business decisions and ultimately increase the success of their organizations. That's really interesting, Jeff. And recognizing that you know you don't have something just to pull off the shelf and provide people with it seems like there's a really big um you know kind of understanding or almost surveying of the organization and what they're looking for um can you tell us a little bit more about that that kind of first those first steps when you start working with the company and you're trying to dive in and understand where they're at what, what does that look like and how do you how do you get there 
Yeah, and I should qualify this by saying that we do actually have an arm of the company that does products, but that's, uh, I, I can talk about that at a separate time, but mm. we're talking about it's on, uh, on our custom side of the, the business. Mm. Uh, and, and typically that starts off with what we call a discovery project. Uh, although we can go earlier stage than that into what's called a design thinking workshop. Uh, and it'll describe kind of the three stages that we can go through the client. So if we're starting in a very early stage where the client knows they've got some challenges, but hasn't been able to really kind of refine those and identify what they are, uh, a design thinking workshop is really about that. It's about that brainstorming exercise where you're trying to kind of refine it, understand it, uh, you know, identify the characteristics of it and really kind of come to a conclusion about this is the business problem we need to address or these are the business problems we need to address and this is the one that's most important for us to address now. Uh, so that's the kind of purpose of a design thinking workshop. Coming out of that then, if, if the client goes through that, uh, we go into what's called a discovery project. So once you've identified, okay, here's the thing that's giving us pain that we really want to address or this is the opportunity we have that we really think we should pursue, now we go into a process, which is usually a fairly short process between one to two weeks in duration around working with and, and fully understanding the business problem and then looking at and addressing, okay, here are the one, two, three options to solve that problem and the pros and cons of each one of these options and approximately what it's going to cost both from a time and a, and a, and a, and a financial perspective around solving that particular challenge. Mm. And then right. at the end of that, the client can say, great, Love it, want to go forward with this. I want to take option A or B or C or whatever they have to be. Uh, and then we can go into a full development project where we work with them over a period of potentially you know, a month to several years, depending on the scale of the project, uh, to really address the business problem and, and work with them. So mm. it's kind of a multi-stage process, depending mm. on how the client is in their own maturity and understanding of, of the challenges that they're facing. Mm, definitely. And so, Jeff, as you've created these service offerings for your clients. Um, what has been your biggest learning so far as a leader throughout this journey? <laughs> um, a few different things, obviously. So one of them is that um, ultimately it all depends on people. Mm. None of this stuff happens. It's not about the tech ultimately. It's about the people who understand it and can implement it. And so making sure that you have a very solid team that's very well supported and uh, and recognizes, you know, uh, the value of a culture that supports each other. Uh, this has been paramount to to where we've been able to get to uh, so far. And, you know, and so it's, you know, we work in the cool tech. That's great. We we do all sorts of wild, wonderful things. That's all great. But it ultimately relies upon the people. And the people are key to us continuing forward. Uh, that also produces other challenges sometimes. Um, I find myself because I have a a bit of a generalist background. Um, I can play in a lot of different uh, ponds, shall we say. And, <laughs> and that uh, means that we've created a very diverse company in, in the kind of things that we can do and the kind of industries that we can play in. But it also makes it very difficult for us to scale our sales uh, side of things, as an example, because mm. we work in many different areas. Bringing a salesperson who can also work in so many different areas is not a good approach. So we're, we're, we're working on different areas of you know, niching this out so that we can really kind of build teams in different strength areas versus trying to create more generalists, which we're finding is not probably the best scalable route for us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I can appreciate where you're going from a leadership perspective with that, Jeff, in the sense of building on people's strengths versus trying to fit people into roles. 
Um, I, I think that's a fantastic approach and, and then also wise from a, a scaling perspective, because uh, I mean, we can relate to some of those pains in having multiple service lines and then trying to, um, you know, work through or tool through the design thinking around, okay, you know, marketing the sales side of it. Uh, and then also making sure that you're um, tactically deploying it appropriately. Exactly. Yeah, it, it is. Um, so in my past, I, I, uh, I worked heavy in tech. Obviously, I designed everything from satellite ground stations, air traffic control systems, kind of large scale systems engineering projects. I ran for <laughs> no big deal. Yeah, <laughs> you know, the, the team I ran, we developed all this, the, the hardware uh, for the air traffic control systems in Switzerland, just to give you, you know, a sense of kind of the scale of stuff we're working on. Okay. A company called NDA out of Vancouver, who you may know for things like the, the Canada arm, you know, they're the group that uh, builds things like that. So it, it's cool. It's a very cool company. I you know, really enjoyed it. And it was kind of my fundamentals of how I understand tech and tech development came out of working for them initially. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a full circle, we're actually working with them right now on another project, which is around identifying and interdicting illegal fishing activities in Canadian coastal waters. So it's a it's another kind of application of technologies. We're doing the visualization side of it. They're doing the data ac- acquisition and analytics side of it. So interesting really cool stuff going on in this space. Um, but but you know, with that kind of background, you know, absolutely, we're really looking at you know how do you enable people to be more effective, and often that comes down to really enabling them to to understand and focus on the areas where they're strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, you know it's it's not that it, you know, everybody has weaknesses. We all have. I have. Everybody has weaknesses. It's how how do we address those and fulfill those and, and balance those things while really enabling people to be strong in their jobs and mm-hmm. moving forward. And, you know, as a smaller company, there's some things we're limited in what we can do, and so you know, we'd like to do a lot more things than we can do at this point in time. But as we have the ability to do it, we want to bring those things into the company and, and enable people to have you know more and more capabilities as a result of that. Mm. And I'm curious if we get a little more tactical, Jeff, how, how do you kind of help some of your employees better understand their strengths and, and kind of address their weaknesses? Is that something that's done like at the beginning as you're onboarding or is it throughout the process or what, what does that look like? Uh, so I would say that as a formalized process, um, it comes in through regular reviews of people and how effective they've been, what are the things that worked and didn't work for them as we go through you know, their career within our organization. Um, there is certainly uh, an onboarding process where we evaluate their capabilities, often particularly in the technical space, because of course we're hiring a lot of people with software development capabilities. Mm-hmm. like a code review at the beginning to make sure we understand exactly how strong they are and the different coding capabilities that we need. Uh, but it's it's an ongoing interactive process more than it is a formalized process where uh, you know our, our management uh, structure is associated with really connecting and engaging with people and helping uh, understand what's going on in their lives and, and uh, in, in the context of the company, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, do regular retrospectives where we try to get feedback from everybody about what's working, what's not working in the company so that we can address those things. Uh, occasionally, just nature of ups and downs of cycles of things we haven't been as able to address some of the things that we want to address. But, you know, these are super important to us to hear this and to address as many of them as we possibly can, because ultimately that continues to create a positive culture and a positive work environment for everybody. Mm. But the, I think the biggest thing, kind of address your question, is just an open, transparent environment where people are able to talk about things. Uh, what I've found in my own past is that when you have this environment where people are punished for talking about things, stuff gets 
pushed under the rug and it doesn't actually get addressed. And so an open environment where you can talk about it and address it in a no blame type of way ultimately ends up being a much more constructive environment for people to grow. Mm, I like that. It, and, you know, it's totally in alignment, Jeff, with what you're talking about in design thinking, because that's what it's all about. You know, it could be engineering a problem or uh, reverse engineering a problem in the sense of trying to figure things out. And with that just comes conversations and it may be an observation or an accountability piece, um, or it may be something that's a, a deeper dive. When it comes to identifying that no blame culture for performance for your team, Jeff, how do you get your team members to buy into that? Well, I mean, it starts at the top, ultimately, you know, it starts with transparency. Uh, you know what I've tried to do. We have regular meetings every every week talking about what's going on in the company. I, I try to be as transparent as I possibly can about what is happening, pros and cons, and what's happening. Uh, own up to anything that I might have done that was oops. I should, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry. That's <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect either, but I want to learn from my mistakes and do better too. You know, it's it's kind of just set that tone from the beginning with everybody. Um, to me, that's that's the core of it. You set the example and follow the example, and, and other people will follow accordingly. Hmm. You know, if you if you create an environment where you're going to immediately try to you know, punish somebody for a mistake, people tend to hide mistakes. <laughs> you know, just mm-hmm. by nature, I want to avoid being punished, type of thing, and that's that's ultimately not constructive or productive for a company to do that. Mm-hmm. I agree with you 100. When it comes to to productivity. I'm really interested to kind of jump in and, and dive a little bit deeper, Jeff, if you're open to it. How do you get the most out of your team members? Like what, what's your approach? Uh, so I, I hands off to, to a large degree. You know, as the company's grown from when it was you know, a few people to where we're at now, mm-hmm. obviously I can't be managing every individual person. That would be mm-hmm. not only impossible, but not really <laughs> useful. Um, so, you know, so ultimately it's a delegation and, uh, you know, and, and making basically people empowered as we talked about to, to make decisions and report on things. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, when I get recommendations that are bubble up to me that says, you know, we really think we should do this. I'm very much supportive of that because mm-hmm. I want people to take ownership and, and kind of really you know, move things forward and, and, and make it their own essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's that ownership that, uh, you know, feeling like, yes, we can make a difference uh, that ultimately, I think, helps grow a company and grow a strong culture in the company. And I'd be curious, Jeff, kind of going back to, you know, you mentioned the growth of the company, how at first, you know, when you're a few people, uh, you know, okay, sure, it's easy to have kind of your hand in different pots. But as you grow, you know, you have to start delegating. Was there a transition for you? Like, was there any challenges that kind of came up with that growth? Uh, where we've, we've seen with some business owners, it's like, no, I got to touch everything at first until there's too many things to touch. So you know, we stepped sideways a little bit on this one and that I've seen all too often um, what's referred to in the startup community as founder's folly. Mm-hmm. The idea that the founder of the company has to be engaged in every single thing in the company because that's the only way they maintain control. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, they become the limiting factor of the growth of the company as a result of that. Uh, mm. So, while being quite aware of that, uh, you know, ultimately, it's a trap you can fall into, even in spite of yourself. And, and as, <laughs> I kind of fallen into that from the perspective that I built a company around my capabilities to be a generalist and be able to touch a whole lot of different things. 
uh, it's very difficult for me to find anybody else who can do the same kind of thing. And, and I could delegate the you know, business development activities to them, for instance. Mm -hmm. So with, this is an area where we have struggled. I've tried a, a few different times to bring on somebody to take over business development, and that has not worked out for us. Uh, mm. So we've had to step back and really kind of rethink the whole idea of how we do business development in a scalable fashion uh, by creating these more kind of niche areas where we can focus people and have them build up strength in a particular niche area. Uh, and mm. so over time, we'll eventually build up a cadre of people who can handle the breadth of what we do without requiring anybody to be kind of that overall, you know, generalist that I am and, and dealing with those things. So, uh, so in spite of knowing this, in spite of my best intentions, I've ended up in an organization where I am a little bit too instrumental in, in the future of the company, and, and that needs to change. You know, this mm. is my own awareness is, is that I've, I've ended up in a situation that I didn't want us to be in. Uh, and it's it is what it is <laughs> we go forward accordingly uh but now we're working with some very good people in, in the business development realm to kind of recraft our approach to business development sales and marketing in particular mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and maybe there's some design thinking in there to change the way that that's approached in general who knows right yeah, absolutely well it's you know you, you have to look at it from the perspective that most training out there sales and marketing training is oriented around product development yes not custom solutions development. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, we tried kind of taking some lessons learned from the kind of classical things that people talk about in sales and marketing for products. Mm -hmm. and it didn't quite fit in the way that we do business. And so mm -hmm. part of our recrafting or our sales process is kind of, okay, yeah, there's some useful things out of that, but we have to take them with the, you know, context switch that goes into the kind of business that we do. Yeah, and, and we feel your pain um, just relating to you a little bit more, Jeff, in the sense that with intuitive performance, we essentially have three pillars. So it's, you know, HR consulting uh, slash training, coaching, and then facilitations. And it's all kind of wrapped around the concept of whole person performance. So not just the people or not just the job, but the people behind the job and how do we elevate teams and individuals from within. And so we're experiencing the same thing with our um, sales and marketing processes where it's like, okay, we're not just selling this one thing. Like we're not selling widgets and we're not just selling this kind of um, like baked service, essentially. Uh, it's very customized uh, in part, it's new words and a different concept. So, you know, how do you um, partner with clients and emotionally sell to clients if it's not fitting the model that's currently there? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, it, it really kind of speaks to you, I guess, from a, a, a higher place of passion, because, you know, it really wraps into kind of design thinking and, <laughs> and that engineering piece of it. So, you know, who knows, you may have a, a new service line that comes out of this, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm just teasing no, you. <laughs> well, this is, you know, this is the opportunity space that we live in, is that we're always running into you know, new business concepts, new ideas. Mm -hmm. As an organization, so we, a lot of our business is focused on this kind of really custom development, consulting services around custom development of software. Yeah. Uh, but we also work as an outsourced product development company for organizations that have a product idea and don't have the development team to build that product for themselves. Right. And finally, we, you know, we identified a few opportunities where there's kind of a, a bigger issue that's facing an industry. And mm -hmm. because of our, in, engagement through these you know custom solutions projects we identified that bigger issue and mm -hmm. so we're developing a product to meet the bigger opportunity within the industry as well so we really mm -hmm. hit on a number of different ways to engage with that and 
And you're right. That's very difficult to communicate to a client and say, we could do this or this or this or this or this. And this is an earnest matter. You know, <laughs> Yeah, so exactly, exactly. And I'm really interested because, you know, it sounds like you have, um, you know, great experiential uh, leadership behind you, uh, you know, connections from both academia and the engineering industry. Uh, You have a wonderful kind of uh, thought based or backed organization. When it comes to your internal environment, what is it or what's your special sauce with regards to ensuring that your team members are set up for success? Uh, so even before COVID, we had a very flexible work environment. Mm. Uh, one of the things that I've recognized right from the very beginning is that, you know, even just the time of day when somebody works, their the time when they're most effective isn't necessarily going to be the same as nine to five that everybody from a classic corporate perspective would want to choose. Mm-hmm. And so we had a very flexible environment in terms of when you came in, when you left, um, you know, and, and kind of core hours for meetings, but that was kind of the limit of what we wanted to impose on people. Otherwise we wanted them to be able to set their own schedules and really kind of work around the kind of strengths and, you know, and, and if you needed to take time off to go to a medical appointment, you take time off to go to a medical appointment. I mean, you have to live your life too at the same time. Mm. Uh, under kind of the pandemic conditions where everybody's now been working from home for such a long time, uh, at least in our organization, uh, it just became a natural profession for us. Uh, it, it was literally, okay, March, I think it was 13th, 2020 hit, pick up your laptop, go home. You're now working from home. And was, you know, we had a few minor little logistical things to manage in terms of just the system access stuff. But other than that, it was a very simple transition for us to do that. Uh, and that remains one of our strengths as an organization is, you know, enabling people to have a very flexible work-life balance uh, that they get to set themselves. Wonderful. And so looking a little bit towards the future, Jeff, what is the, the vision for your team uh, and, and organization? World domination. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, you heard it here first. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, you know, facetious, but no, seriously, I mean, the kind of stuff we do, um, although a large part of our client base is in Alberta and, and particularly in Calgary, mm-hmm. our growth is global. The needs, the opportunities that we have identified, they are global in nature. So mm-hmm. part of our growth ahead is essentially the you know globalization of us as a company. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're already in the process right now working with a group out of Brazil, a couple of people that we've hired in Brazil to expand our business opportunities in Brazil. Uh, we've been looking at the Middle East, at Europe, and a number of other places for opportunities to take some of the technologies, either both on the custom solution side of it, as, as well as some of the products that we've developed, um, and bring those into markets outside of, uh, out of this region. And of course, across Canada as well. We're looking across Canada for opportunities. So it's kind of a lot of different things uh, that we're looking at from globalization, and, and that's also affects our team. Uh, we... One of the things I, I absolutely recognize uh, pre-COVID and, and again became tremendously obvious during COVID is that the globalization of the tech workforce uh, has meant that the dynamics of how you build a company and who you hire is changed forever. Yes. Uh, and that means, you know, fundamentally where you live and where you work are no longer connected together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm need to be connected together and so as we are looking to grow and hire people we are going to continue to maintain this perspective that you know if you're within a reasonable time zone of you know kind of our core business at least for this stage of the game um 
then that's great. You know, you're, you're somebody we, you know, we want to talk to. Uh, but as we grow and continue to grow, I suspect even that time zone limitation will be there much longer. So mm. it's, yeah, it's kind of just recognition that this is a global environment now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You need to work within that global environment and kind of you know, trying to force people into an office environment doesn't yeah. There, you know, there's still a use for offices and we still see value in offices, particularly for things like client engagement and maybe some of our, although we're a software company, we have some specialized hardware that we use for some things. So mm -hmm. kind of application needs are there. Uh, as we get more and more into the defense industry, there's security requirements that go along with this that we also need to be conscious of. And so we may need a physical space where we can do work that may have more sensitivity towards it from a security perspective so there's right. things like that that may force some office re, you know requirements but generally speaking we want to enable people to work from wherever they're most comfortable working mm. and if an office great if that's at home that's great if somewhere else that's, that's totally fine mm. yeah and, and it's really um we're seeing it a lot with many clients and and other c-suite that we've been speaking to especially over the past 18 months it's almost this new concept of disconnected connectivity right so, you know, we're all working remote, but how do we ensure that we still have connectivity within our teams and within the vision and our, you know, things like our objectives or OKRs, et cetera. Um, so it, it's quite an interesting time for us, for sure. And we appreciate uh, the, your thoughts around that. The, there's definitely synergies there. Uh, we always ask our participants, what are three words of inspiration that you would want the world to hear? Uh, learn grow and succeed, I guess. <laughs> uh, you know, ultimately, this comes down to you need to continue to learn. Uh, there's nobody in the world, particularly in the tech space that we live in, that knows everything, and it's changing continually. So if you don't have an attitude around continuing to learn, you're going to be falling behind. Mm. And that learning drives growth and ultimately drives success. Uh, so to me, those are kind of the three late things that I would put in this context. That's awesome. We really appreciate you joining us today, Jeff. My pleasure. Thank you both as well. It's a great conversation. Likewise. Uh, and we really appreciate you sharing your entrepreneurial insights with Intuitive Performance and our subscribers. Um, for those individuals uh, who would like to learn more about FizzWorks, we're going to provide a link to the company's profile on the Elevate Business podcast page. Take good care. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Elevate Business podcast. I hope you enjoyed the program. You can subscribe to future podcasts at intuitiveperformance.com, where you can also sign up for webinars and learn more about professional coaching and our facilitation solutions available to help fire up your whole person performance skills and drive actions for success. Until next time, stay true to you and take care of each other. We are all better together. Thanks for listening to the Human Side of Business podcast. I'm glad you could join us. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to stay updated with our latest content, make sure to visit our website. The link can be found in the episode description where you can subscribe to the podcast, sign up for our newsletter and learn more about our whole person leadership services. Sounds interesting? Explore the whole person leadership cohort by Intuitive Performance, a unique program that offers unparalleled support to managers on every step of their leadership journey. Our program features evidence-based assessments, workbooks, group coaching, and interactive learning experiences to help you level up your leadership skills. 
Reach out today to apply to one of our upcoming cohorts. Until next time, take care and stay curious.